Good morning, SCC family. My name is Shereen, and this is my foster daughter, Chastity. We have been coming to Seminole Community Church for over six years. Um, I found it just by passing by. It's basically halfway between my mom's house and work, so we pass by it multiple times per day. Today, we'll be reading James 3, 1 through 15 for you. Dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers in the church. For we who teach will be judged more strictly. Indeed, we all make many mistakes, for if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. We can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth, and a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches, but a tiny spark can get can set a great forest on fire. And among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by hell itself. People can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish. But no one can tame the tongue. It is restless and evil, full of deadly poison. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. Does a spring of water bubble out with both fresh water and bitter water? Does a fig tree produce olives or a grapevine produce figs? No, and you can't draw fresh water from a salty spring. If you are wise and understand God's ways, prove it by living an honorable life, doing good works with the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you are bitterly jealous and there is selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying. For jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. Thank you, Shireen. Thank you, Chastity. Chastity looked totally relieved when that was over, didn't she? Now, if you know Chastity, she is so shy. I'm just shocked how oh, you did so good, Chastity. Thank you so much uh, for reading that. First time ever reading off a teleprompter, I'm sure. And... Um, as I said, if you've got your program, go ahead and open it up. I forgot to tell you, if uh, if you're here for the first time, really, if you're here, you've been here any amount of times, I'd love for you to put on a name tag, fill out your first name, stick it on your shirt or your blouse. Um, it helps me to be able to get to know you, to put a face with a name or at least eyes with a name. Uh, everybody looks the same with a mask on. Uh, so it, all of our regular attenders will be wearing a name tag. We want you to feel welcome. We want to get to know you by name. And then you'll notice on the communication card, that's the uh, tear-off that Pastor Rich was talking about, that you can sign up for all the classes or to be baptized or anything uh, that's available there. There's also a place for prayer requests on the back of that. We'd love to be praying for your prayer needs. Um, every week all of these prayer requests are compiled and sent to our elders and our, our prayer team and our staff, and we pray for you. We've also had a, a care team that's been call, care callers that have been calling. I think they made contact with 80 families this week, and um, all of those prayer requests are funneling uh, in as well. And then every couple of weeks I try to text a prayer 
uh, requests to uh, individually to you, um, to almost everybody in the whole church. And I just can't tell you how many people are under such huge needs, prayer needs, in our church right now. And those of you who have been sending those in or texting me, just wanted you to know we're praying for all of these very heavy burdens you're going through. Love you. Know that we're praying for you. And, and obviously... God's going to meet your need. You can take these communication cards along with your offering at the end and stick them in one of the offering boxes in the back corner of the auditorium. There's also one in the lobby as well. So for those of you who are just joining us, we are, I think we're in the middle of our James study, James's five chapters. Uh, we finished chapter two, although I might go back and hit a message on chapter one or chapter two. There's a couple things I left out. Just warning you. And, um, and we started chapter 3 today. This gets us to just about the exact halfway point at the end of our study today. And the study that we've been going through in this whole COVID pandemic, you know, this whole financial crisis, you get the political woes and the uh, racial things go on, you have protests happening. What a year 2020 has been. Praise God it's already the ninth month so that we can get through this year. You already just put up, let's have Christmas Eve and get this over with, right? I know. Um, so as we're going through this study in James, what we've been talking about, I've warned you, James can be a little blunt. Get ready for some blunt today. It's okay if you leave mad. It's okay if you're all huffy and ah, I can't believe he said that. Talking about James, not talking about me. You can't be mad at me. Um, but one of the themes that James keeps coming back to in this series, in his book, in his writing. Remember, James is the half-brother of Jesus. And he keeps coming back to this topic of self-deception. It's one of the major themes in the book of James how we deceive ourselves, how we rationalize things in our life. You know what rationalize means, right? That we tell rational lies to ourselves. That we try to convince ourselves in our head what we know is wrong in our heart. We try to convince ourselves, it's okay, it's okay. Everybody does it. You know, that's not what he really meant. That doesn't really apply to us. It was 2,000 years ago kind of a thing. And here's the deal. God... We cannot be everything God intends for us to be if we, can, if we don't start being honest with ourselves. The most common form of self-deception is in the way we talk, the way we talk to ourselves. You see, we're not as spiritual um, as we think we are. We, we think we're spiritual. We think we're not self-centered. We think we're growing in our faith. And then something comes out of our mouth, lets us realize, whoa, I might have a ways to go. Or at least let your spouse realize, whoa, they might have a ways to go, right? Because we're in self-denial. We're deceiving ourselves. So James, back in chapter 1, verse 26, I actually mentioned this in the very first kind of overview of James, the first message that we looked at in this series nine weeks ago. 126 says, if you claim to be religious... But you don't control your tongue. And let me add that just about anything we talk about today when we're talking about controlling our tongue, we could also read that if you claim to be religious but don't control your comments on Facebook, uh-oh, then you're only fooling yourselves. Aren't our comments on social media, aren't those our words? Well, yeah, in black and white, you know. 
they save all that, you realize, right? Ugh. They send it to your pastor. Um, if, you, if you claim to be religious but you don't control your tongue or your comments, you're only fooling yourself and your religion is worthless. Wow. That's pretty clear. You don't need a pastor or a teacher to explain that to you. If you don't control your tongue, your religion is worthless. That's almost enough right there for us to just kind of go home and think about for the rest of the day. Y'all just want to get out of class early? Just think about that. And and James talked about that in in this one verse in chapter 1. And now he comes in chapter 3 and he gives us half a chapter, 15 verses, where he goes deep, deep, deep. He gives example after example after example after example. Boom, 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 boom. And he goes into graphic detail about what God thinks about our words and our comments and what he has to say. So he starts with a warning to those of us, including me, who make a living kind of teaching or talking for a living. And then he deals with everybody. So he starts off talking to the teachers and then deals with everybody. He says, dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers in the church. For we who teach will be judged more strictly. Now that verse should scare every pastor in America to death. It does me. It means that I'm going to be under stricter standards from what I say. Stricter judgment from what I say. What I post. What I comment on. Than even those of you who don't teach. So he says be careful about being eager to be a teacher in the church. Then he says probably the most... True verse, we all know this to be true. What does it say in verse in verse 2? Indeed, we all make many mistakes. Circle many mistakes. It's one of the most truthful verses in the whole Bible. Of course, you don't even have to know it's in the Bible to know that this is true. We all make many mistakes. We could all raise our hands with that. Some of you want to raise your hand and point to somebody with that. Yes, they all make many mistakes, and we all make many mistakes, both of us. In fact, he says, for if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. We can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth, and a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. And in the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches, but a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. And among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness corrupting your entire body. That's harsh. It can set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by hell itself. Wow. People can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It is relentless and evil and full of deadly poison. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. Does a spring of water bubble out both fresh water and bitter water? Does a fig tree produce olives or grape vine produce figs? No. And you can't draw fresh water from a salty spring. If you are wise and understand God's ways, prove it. By living an honorable life, doing good works with humility that comes from wisdom. But if you are bitterly jealous and there is selfish ambition in your heart, in your heart, 
Circle that word heart. But you are bitterly jealous and there's selfish ambition in your heart. Don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying. For jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. What a passage. Fifteen verses. And it's just like boom, 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 boom. God just keeps hitting us. Truth, 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 truth. James doesn't pull any punches in these 15 verses. He says, if you don't watch your tongue, it will dominate you. So we have to learn to tame our tongue. We have to learn how to manage our mouth. We have to learn how to watch our words. So the title of today's message, How to Filter What I Say. People spend a lot of time worrying about different filters for their lenses or filters for their pictures on social media to make us look good. God says, don't be so concerned about a filter that makes you look good. You need to learn how to filter your mouth because that makes you look the way you really are. Why is this important? Why is why do I have to learn to filter everything that I say? Why do I need God's why do I need God's help to do that? Because that's what people say, right? They say, Well, I, I didn't mean it or it's just words or you know, I was just kidding anyway, L O L, right? They try to, you know, put something harsh in there and throw an emoticon and make it it all make it better. Well, here's what James 3 says. James 3 gives us three powerful reasons that we need to ask God to help us filter every word that comes out of our mouth. And he illustrates these three reasons with three very vivid pictures, word pictures, that we all understand. They're very easy for us to understand. So if you've got your outline, open it up. Like I said, all the scriptures are going to be there. Grab a pen, click them open, and I want you to, drop, drop, want you to write a couple of these things down. That will be on the side screens. Why do I need God's help in filtering what I say? Number one, because my tongue directs where I'm headed. My tongue directs where I'm headed. Where I'm going in life is directed by my tongue. That's interesting. He's saying that our words have tremendous influence and control over our lives. And most of us, we don't even realize it. If I were to look at your life and say, I wonder where he's going to be in five years. I wonder where she's going to be in 2025. All I need to do is listen to the words you're saying. And I can say, oh, I can tell where they're headed. Because what we talk about the most directs our lives to where we end up. Because we shape our words, but then our words end up shaping us. The tongue is so small that we often overlook it. Its power, though, has great influence on our lives. And James points this out, that it's, it's like the small things that have tremendous control. He gives two examples. He says we can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. Did you see the Kentucky Derby yesterday? Huge upset. It amazes me how a strong 2,000-pound stallion can be ridden by a 95-pound, dripping wet, maybe, jockey. And this little tiny jockey can control this huge, this, this bundle of energy, this massive power riding right under him. And he can, 
he can control it with a little bitty bit in his mouth. And he can control where it goes. And here's the point. The point, and it just takes a tiny bit of a word, just a tiny bit of a phrase, just a tiny bit of a sentence, and it can change the total direction of our life. You've probably met people. They said just a tiny bit. They said the wrong thing at the wrong time in front of the wrong person, their spouse, and it cost them forever. Has any of you ever done that? You say the wrong thing at the wrong time in front of your spouse, and you pay for it forever. You can probably think in your own life of somebody right now, examples in your own life of a time where you said a word or you said a phrase, and you said it to a boss, or you said it to a coach, or to a teacher, maybe to a police officer, and next thing you know, click, clink, your life has changed its direction right away. Then he says, imagine a giant ship, like an ocean liner. Have any of y'all ever been on a cruise ship? Can you remember back that far? Let's just have a moment, moment of silence for the cruise industry, okay? Mm. I lost two cruises at the beginning of this year. I can't wait to I can't wait to go on a cruise again once it's safe. I want to see about a thousand ships come and go first before I'm ready to get back on. He says, Imagine a giant ship in the ocean, the waves are beating against it, the wind is coming upon it. You know how it is. Yet just a small rudder controls the direction of a giant ocean liner. James three four says a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go even though the winds are strong. Here's the point. Our words are like a rudder in our life. Our words, our tongue, it either keeps us on track, on target, or it gets us way off course. It says the rudder makes the ship turn. Your tongue is like the steering wheel of your life. It's like the guidance system of your life. If you don't like the direction your life is headed... I mean, a lot of people right now who say, Pastor Jerry, I hate my life. I hate the direction we're headed. I feel stuck in this life. I don't like where I'm going. Here's what I want you to know. You can change the direction of your life by changing the way you talk to yourself. The words that you play, that you say over and over in your mind, determine where you go. And some of you, you repeat things that you heard in your childhood. And it might not be a good thing to keep on auto-repeat, on shuffle in your head, depending on what kind of household, what kind of parents you grew up with. Some people, you repeat something that a teacher said or that a coach said. Some people, you, you repeat something that was said over and over to you in your first marriage. Probably not a good thing to keep repeating over and over. Yeah, you keep saying those, and that's why the life direction you have that you don't like can change because what your parents said about you and what your coaches or teachers or your ex said about you has little to do with your future unless you let it. What we should be playing in our mind over and over again is the words of our Father in heaven, who he says that I am. That will change our present and our future, and it will redeem a lot of your past. So that's what he means. He says, we've got we've to control what we say to ourselves and to others. Now, sometimes, 
Sometimes I've found that the best thing to say is nothing at all. I usually find that out right after I said something. That was a wrong thing to say. I don't usually think about it and keep my mouth shut. I usually say it and go, oops. So take my word for this. Sometimes it's better to say nothing. Particularly if you're about to gripe or you're about to complain or you're about to judge, just don't say anything. Proverbs 13.3 says, those who control their tongue will have a long life. Opening your mouth can ruin everything. That's one we should all memorize. <laughs> if we spend less time talking, more time memorizing, it would help us. So first I need to filter what I say because my tongue directs where I'm headed in life. Like a horse's bit directs the horse, like the rudder on a big ship directs its course. Second thing, I need to filter my words, and I need to ask God to help me to filter my words because my tongue can destroy what I have. My words can destroy everything that I have. James says in the next couple of verses, quicker than anything else, and he uses some harsh images. He says in verse 5, in the same way the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches, but a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. Now we can all picture this in our mind. You know, like Smokey Bear says, only you can prevent forest fires. Only you. And we know that one spark from one unattended fire can spark an inferno that consumes tens of thousands of acres. You can picture a beautiful forest. One errant spark can start a fire that ruins everything, chars everything. Just think about what happened in Yellowstone several decades ago. The fire that consumed so much damage. James has given us a parallel here. He's saying just like we know that a careless camper can destroy an entire national park, we also know that a careless word can destroy an entire life. Gossip and rumors spread like wildfire. That's where that term comes from. Have you ever met a verbal arsonist? Do you know what a verbal arsonist is? They're people who use their words to set fire. Yeah, or to throw gasoline on a bad situation. You give me any bad situation, I can make it worse by what I say. Hundreds of examples of this from my own life. We know this. We've all said the wrong words and inflamed a situation, made them worse. Words can burn people. That's why when they, when they call that... When, when they bring celebrities in and they do a celebrity roast, it's no accident that they call it a roast. It's because these words are burning these people kind of a thing. I wonder how many people have let their mouth destroy their career. I wonder how many people have let their mouth destroy a marriage or their mouth destroy a reputation. I wonder how many people have let a mouth destroy even a church, destroy a friendship. It's interesting to me that both fire and words, when they're under control, can provide warmth and light. But out of control, both fire and words can do devastation, tons of damage. You can lose everything. Proverbs 18.21, today's English version says, You must accept the consequences of your words. 
boy, don't we need to all learn that in middle school, in elementary school, in our 50s, still. We will have to live with the consequences of everything that we say. Listen, this has never been more true than today. This was true 2,000 years ago. It's even more true today. You'll live with the consequences of whatever you say. You know why? Because everybody's walking around with one of these, aren't they? Whatever you say is going to be a viral video tomorrow. Probably not tomorrow, tonight. So we've got to watch what we say because it can destroy what we already have. James 3.6 says, And among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world. Listen to these words he uses. It is a whole world of wickedness, corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by hell itself. When you think about what part of your body sins the most, very few of us think of, oh, my tongue. It's my tongue that sins the most. But let me just give you a quick list. I'm going to read them fast because there's so many. If I read them slow enough for you to write them all down, we'll never get, we'll never get home today. These are the list of the sins of the mouth. You ready? Backbiting, lying, threatening, cursing, deceiving, boasting, ridicule, slander, false witness, hypocritical words, complaining, Bitter words, flattery, yes, flattery is a sin, fault-finding, mocking, defaming, judging, filthy language, and gossiping. Have I covered everybody? These are the sins that we've kind of sanitized. We've kind of said, well, they don't matter that much, or, you know, sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never send me to therapy for decades. Yes. God talks over and over, all the time, all through Scripture, about the sins of the mouth. And I want you to notice that he says they can create a chain reaction. And if you study history, you'll, just, you'll find out that a lot of wars were started by just a few inflammatory words. Someone says something, someone says, oh yeah, well, duh, duh, duh. and next thing you know, all hell breaks loose. It's like, yo mama, you know, and next thing, it's just like middle school again, you know, except we have bombs and stuff. I want to read you the same verse from two different translations, and I just couldn't pick. We use a lot of translations here because you should read them all. Proverbs 20, 21, today's English version says, If you want to stay out of trouble, be careful with what you say. Excellent. And it says the same verse in the NLT, Watch your tongue and keep your mouth shut, and you'll stay out of trouble. Man, we should memorize that. We should probably memorize the verse in every translation. Then James shifts, and now he uses an entire zoo to illustrate not only that words control our direction, but that they can destroy what we have. In verse 7 and 8, he says, People can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish, but no one, circle the word no one, two words, but no one can tame the tongue. Who? No one. Who does that include? Everybody. No one can tame the tongue. It is restless and evil and full of deadly poison. So God says our tongue is full of poison. He says without my help, God says this, without my help, Jerry, it's hopeless that you'll ever control your mouth. Your tongue is out of control and it will never be in control Without my help, because no one, not even you, church, not even you, Christian, not even you, Pastor Jerry, can control your tongue. 
He says it's uncontrollable, evil, it's wild. It's liable to break out at any time and surprise you, but not surprise the rest of us. Ooh. He says it's a deadly poison. He says just a few drops can kill you. You see, you can assassinate people's reputation with your mouth or with your Facebook comments. People do that every single minute of every single day on social media. They assassinate other people's reputation. James says, I need to filter my words. Because first, my tongue directs where I'm going, and then it also destroys what I have. Then the third thing, and this is the most serious, he says, we need to have a filter on our mouth because my tongue displays who I really am. You want to know who you really are? Well, let's print out that Facebook feed. You want to know who you really are? Well, let's pull out the tape recorder and listen to what you've been saying. My tongue displays, it reveals my character. It reveals my true identity. It shows my real me, not my fake me, not my reputation me, not my Facebook me, the real me. Our words show how spiritually healthy or sadly how spiritually sick we really are. Have you noticed when you go to the doctor that the doctor says, one of the first things he says when he comes in or she says when she comes in is, hey, stick out your tongue. And then they take that two by four and put it in your mouth. And, oh, and they look around. And it's amazing to me, the doctor, he or she is looking at our mouth, our tongue, to determine the health of our whole body. That what our tongue says, in fact, then they go and they take our thermometer. So the best way to take your thermometer is say, lift up your tongue, stick it underneath your tongue. And they can tell you by what's going on in your mouth how healthy you are as a whole person. James says the same thing. He says, sometimes our tongue praises our Lord and Father. And sometimes it, and I've underlined this whole sentence, it curses those who have been made in the image of God. Underline, curses those who have been made in the image of God. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. Isn't it amazing how quickly we can change our speech? You can be going at it with your spouse. Your mama too. You know, you're just like my mama. You know, you're going at it and all of a sudden the phone rings and you're like, what's oh, Pastor? Hello, Pastor. It's a glorious day. And I'm like, your neighbors just called and said, I need to come over there. Uh, what's going on? No, I'm only kidding. Uh, they text. They don't call. Yeah, we can go from Dr. Jekyll to Mr. Hyde like that, can't we? And James is saying, something's wrong with this picture. You know, at church we have the highest privilege. We can, we can sing and worship and praise our Lord and Savior together with our mouth, with our voices lifted high. And then an hour later we can get in the car and we can argue with our spouse, with our kids. I'll give you something to cry about. Right? One minute we're saying, praise Jesus. Next we're saying, shut up. <laughs> Our tongue is an incredible contradiction. 
James says, you, you attack and you curse other people who have been, look what it says, made in the same image of God. Oh, yeah. So let me ask you some pointed questions. How do you talk about people who disagree with you? How do you talk about people who disagree with you politically? We're going to be doing that a lot in the next 12 weeks. Do you treat them as human beings or are they the scum of the earth because they don't vote the way you vote? Are you polite? Do you treat them with dignity? Do you treat them with respect? How do you talk to people? How do you converse with them on social media when they disagree with you politically? By the way, just so you know, our church is about half and half. Half for one guy, half for the other guy. Half for one animal, half for the other animal. I know that's shocking to you. Because everybody I meet in our church, they all think everybody thinks the way they think. Yeah, you think now 95% of the people think the way I think, vote the way I think. No, they're not. I know. It's half and half. So how are you going to treat your brothers and sisters in Christ in this church, in this political season, that don't vote the way you vote? Hmm. How do you talk to people who are different from your religion? Might as well go there too. They have a different religion. They're not Christians. How do we talk about them and treat them? Do you buy into all the name-calling and the stereotyping of other religions? How about people who are immigrants? How do you talk about them? How about people who are a different race than you? It's all on the news. We might as well talk about it. How do you talk about them? Now, I know some of you were thinking, man, Jerry, when are you, you going to stop bringing up all this prejudice and bias and racism and stuff? I'll tell you when. I'll stop bringing it up when the Bible stops talking about it. How about that? Because I'm just teaching through the book of James, and this is the fourth time it's come up in two and a half chapters. We're only halfway through, folks. And James has brought it up four times. Almost like he was writing it for 2020, not even the first century. You see, here's what I have to tell you, okay? i just got to be really honest. I decided years ago, like 20-something years ago, that, you know, if people, sometimes there are people, the Bible bothers people sometimes. And the Bible's bothered by what God says in the Bible sometimes. And I decided a long time ago, look, if, if someone is bothered by the Bible and bothered by what God says, then they need to go find a church that doesn't teach the Bible. There's lots of them out there. I'm sure you'll find, I'm, I'm, so I've been told, I'm sure you'll find one. Because I'm just teaching what the Bible says. I know that God makes us very uncomfortable. James is blunt, warned you nine weeks ago. And we all need to be challenged in these areas with what we say because we can't control this. And we can't control this either. So you can't treat people with disrespect, James is saying, who are made in the same image of God as you. Because let me just tell you something. God, what he's saying is, Jerry, I love those people who are not of the same race, same nationality, same religion, or same political party as you. I just don't love white, conservative, 50-year-old American males. That's what you are. I love all of the rest of the flavors and colors and in lifestyles of everyone else just as much as I love you, Jerry. And I know if that's hard for you to hear, you probably need to hear it every day. 
So let me just, I won't pick on your feelings, failings. Let's just talk about my failings, okay, for just a minute. Let me just deal with mine. You can deal with God on your own, or you can ignore him on your own. That, he'll let you do that. He, he, he won't force his way, you know. He'll just keep, he'll just keep bugging you because he, he writes it in here like every other page, it seems like. Because he says good and bad should not be coming out of the same mouth. So let me just be honest with you. One of the things that bothers me about me is this. How can I say the most unloving things to the people I claim to love the most on this planet? My family. I say the worst things to my family than I ever say to some of you. Some of you, I don't even like you, and I say nice things to you. Just one or two, you know. I like almost everybody. But there's a couple of you that you're a challenge, okay? I'm just saying, if you don't have any challenging people to love or to like in your life, you're probably the challenging person for me. I'm so sorry. And I say nice things to you all the time. You don't even know who you are. Yet, to my wife, to my kids, even to my grandkids, man, I can say some harsh, I can say some impatient, I can say some mean things. And James says, that's a problem. It's a look in the mirror. Hello. Am I the only one that struggles with this? You know, is this something that, am I crazy? Am I the only one that... The people I love the most, I'll say the meanest things to. The people I don't give a flip about, I'll be really nice to because I'm a pastor and all that. How is it we can speak those nice, loving words one minute and then we're, we lash out, you know? And, uh, Who ate the last? Where's the remote? You know, I mean, just all of a sudden, I love you. <laughs> what, what's the, what causes that? Well, James tells us what causes it in the next couple of verses. Does a spring of water bubble up? This is 11 through 15. Does a spring of water bubble out of both fresh water and bitter water? Does fig tree produce olives or a grapevine produce figs? No, and you can't draw fresh water from a salty spring. If you're wise and understand God's ways, prove it by living an honorable life, doing good works with the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you are bitterly jealous and there's selfish ambition in your heart, in your heart, circle in your heart, underline in your heart, put a big star by in your heart, don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying, for jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly and unspiritual and demonic. James is saying that what's in our heart comes out our mouth. So what comes out our mouth tells us what's in our heart. Whatever's in my heart comes out my mouth. So whatever comes out of my mouth proves what's in my heart. And just like an orange tree can't produce grapefruits or a grapefruit tree can't produce oranges, like Pastor Rich was saying, what's in my heart produces, the words that it produces shows us what's, kinda, what's going on in my heart. Here's the point I want you to write it down. My deeper problem isn't really my tongue. It's my heart. It's a heart problem. My mouth eventually betrays what I'm really like on the inside. And people use the excuse like, oh, I, I can't believe I said that. I can't believe that came out. It's not like me to say that. Oh, yes, it is. <laughs> and you're the only one surprised because we're all going, yep, I knew it. Uh-huh, I've seen that. Is that you? We're not surprised. You're the one in self-denial. We all have a clear understanding of who you are. We're only in self-denial about ourselves. In fact, when you say it, and we're like, oh, then we start gossiping about what you say, so we just join you right in the sin. 
Long before Freud pointed out the Freudian slip, James pointed it out 2,000 years earlier, that my tongue displays what's inside me. Now, what is the solution? It's a simple solution. You're not going to like it. It's a, it's a daily prescription that you have to do every single day, 365 days a year for the rest of your life. And it's like, well, that's too easy. Or it's, you know, I mean, it's hard to do it every day, but it's, it's, it's so easy. It's like, yeah, it's, it's easy. It's simple. It's not easy. It's simple. Let me have you write it down. What's the solution number one? Every day, I ask, every day, every single day, for the next 370, 365 days in a row, some of you need that extra five days, Every day I ask the Holy Spirit to change my heart. Every day. Ezekiel 18.31, rid yourselves of all your offenses that you've committed. That's confession. And get a new heart and a new spirit. So I say with confession, God, I need a new heart today. God, change my heart today. Holy Spirit, please change my heart. Every day. Every single day. Some of you three times a day. Matthew 12, 24, Jesus says it too. Your words show what is in your hearts. You see, the truth is, I don't really have a tongue problem. I have a heart problem. When somebody, when somebody has a harsh tongue, it's because they're revealing an angry heart. Somebody with a negative tongue is revealing a fearful heart. Somebody with an unfriendly tongue is revealing a hardened heart. Somebody with a critical tongue is revealing a bitter heart. Somebody with a boasting tongue, they're bragging all the time. They're actually revealing an insecure heart. Full of pride? No, they're just insecure. Somebody with a filthy tongue is revealing an impure heart. Somebody with a judgmental tongue is revealing a guilty heart. Somebody with an overactive tongue, they talk, 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 talk all the time. They're revealing an unsettled heart. But on the other hand, the good news is somebody with an encouraging tongue is revealing a happy heart. Somebody with a gentle tongue is revealing a loving heart. Somebody with a controlled tongue, they've got a peaceful heart. He's saying you can't hide it to change it. It's going to come out. It's like if there's a well that puts out poisonous water, he's saying painting the well and saying fresh water on the sign doesn't fix the well. In fact, it makes it more dangerous, doesn't it? You know, if you take away the skull and crossbones from the poison well and you paint it all cheerful, put a little unicorn on it and say, great water, people die. Because it's not the truth. You've got to change the source to change what comes out. Um, this is actually 2 Corinthians 5.17, not 2 Chronicles. Thank you, Don, for sending that to me in text in the first service. We have people fact-checking us as we go. That's totally okay. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. King David said after he committed adultery in Psalm 51, God created me a clean heart. That needs to be our prayer. Second thing, and I'll close with this. Every day, every day, I ask the Holy Spirit 
to help me manage my mouth. Not only do I ask him to change my heart, I ask him to help me manage my mouth, to filter my words. Psalm 141, verse 3, in the New Century Verses, Lord, help me control my tongue and help me be careful about what I say. So simple. So let's wrap this up. What does your tongue say about you? What if we could play back all of the things you've said over the last week? What if we could print out all of the things you commented on in your Facebook feed? We can, you know. What does that tell us about the direction of your life? What does that tell, you, tell us about what you're talking about the most? The only way to get control of our tongue, of our commenting, is to give that control over to Jesus Christ. We need him to put his hands on the reins of the bit of our life. We need to, him to put his hands on the, the rudder, the wheel that turns the rudder in our life. Because you're not strong enough to control your mouth and I'm not strong enough to control mine either. So as we close, I want to invite you to say a prayer to give 100% of your life to Jesus, just like my daughter Kristen talked about last week in her life. And maybe you've kind of made that commitment in the past, but oh, if you could listen to some of the words, if you could read some of the comments, maybe 100% isn't there anymore and you need to kind of re-up. Maybe you need to say, Jesus, I'm sorry for what I've said, for what I've typed, for what I've commented. Good grief for the whole world to see. And I need, I need you to forgive me and I need you to change my heart and I need you to control or to filter what I say and what I come. And I think we can all make this our prayer. Make a total commitment to Jesus to help control you and to give you the direction that you need in life. So no more damage will be done. And he can change the identity of who you are. He changes hearts. Why don't we bow our heads in prayer? Heavenly Father, I thank you for this word. Oh, is it practical and is it relevant? It is so helpful in our lives. And there's not a person listening here today or in the pavilion or online. There's not a person listening to this message that doesn't need it. We all need this. Lord, you've said that the tongue is an uncontrollable by willpower alone. We need your spirit in our lives. So today we open ourselves up to you. Now you pray where you're at. Make this your prayer. Say, Dear Jesus Christ, take over 100% of my life, including my heart and my mouth and my fingers as they comment. Just say that, God, I need a new heart and I need a new mouth. Say, God, I need a heart transplant. Jesus Christ, I admit that I need you. Can you make that your prayer? Jesus Christ, I admit that I need you, and I can't control my mouth by myself. So I'm asking you to forgive my sin and fill me with yourself. And please put your hand on the rudder of my life and on the reins of the bit that directs me in the right direction. As much as I know how, Jesus, I'm giving you 100% of my life today. Please come into my life and save me. In your name I pray, Jesus.